everyone and welcome back to no beer left behind i am brian and i am having a great time this evening joined by two people who now that i've got my screen back open one of them is just mia he just disappeared and then uh, the other one is villam in tulsa villam how are you doing buddy hey brian i'm doing well how are you i'm doing dandy just cracked open my first beer of the evening so always a good time Hell yeah. Um, I know you are recovering, so I don't know if you're um, taking to the drink tonight. We're trying to get that finger to clot over, so I don't know if alcohol right. is your solution this evening. was earlier. I have the rest of a beer I was drinking left, and then I'm probably going to cut it out. <laughs> um, but I'm drinking a Rattlesnake Hollow Sessionable India Pale Ale from Canadian River Brewing Company. Okay. Is that a new... new? Uh... I think they're newer, yeah. Um, okay. And so I'm not like super clear on the location of the Canadian River, but I do know that it is on the way down to Texas. Yeah, I was going to say it runs right through my, my old stomping grounds. And uh, this beer is good. It... Um, Tasted fresh, you know, like tap room fresh, but uh, it, was, it was very active. Like I opened the can and the it just kind of the head came pouring out. One of them actually, was, you know, like uh oh, um, and I poured it into the glass. It had a had about two three inches on it. Hmm. But I mean, it tastes good. Smells was it good. was it cold? Yeah, it was cold. Okay. Uh, so Canadian River Brewing Company is based out of Chickasha, Oklahoma. Chickasha, there you go. Um, Perhaps. Yeah. Good uh, beer. I think they, I don't know, you know, I, I don't. you probably know better than me what causes, you definitely know better than me what would cause <laughs> an overactive can, but. Yeah, that's it. Usually, yeah. usually um, has to do with temperature of the product carbonation at packaging or um the dreaded infection but that yeah, would give an off flavor when it would you know there'd be other things but yeah yeah most likely i, I there's a um i'm trying to remember if it's f- let's just say there's a brewery in norman uh that had some carbonation issues and i thought like their beers were like really I was like, oh, God, they're infected or something's really wrong with them. Turns out it's just overcarbonation, and that can leave like a really kind of um, a metallic flavor on your tongue. Um, okay. Not necessarily from an infection, but from overcarbonation. So, yeah. Well, unlikely that they did like a second stage ferment with this. I typically, most, most production brew houses are not doing uh, 
takes too long. Well, it's unpredictable. Um, and especially if you're going to sit your beer on hot shelves in the state of Oklahoma liquor stores, um, they're probably not going to do secondary fermentation or bottle conditioning, if you will. And most, uh, most cans are not going to like canning lines are going to say, no, don't do, don't do secondary fermentation or bottle conditioning in a can. Cause yeah. those are a giant weak point. So if you do have some overactive, uh, you know, carbonation or overactive fermentation in the vessel, it's going to yeah. blow up. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can uh, ask Shannon Brewing out of North Fort Worth, uh, Keller or some shit like that. Uh, they made a chocolate beer that they, I'm going to say, didn't know would kick back up fermentation in the package. Oh, shit. And they had just bombs on their hands. Um, so, yeah, you know, but that's that's also, there's a lot of adjuncts in the beer. There shouldn't be any in the one that you have. So I'm guessing it's probably just overcarbonation and packaging, something like that. They call it sessionable. I would agree. It's easy to drink. It's it's poundable. Very. Speaking Dude. of poundable, I am, I am drinking 500 pesos from Odd Muse Brewing Company. It's a Mexican-style lager at 5.2% alcohol by volume. Um, it's my... Neighbor Shannon hooked me up with a can of this. Uh, it's actually really good. Um, I gotta be very honest. Methinks tisn't a lager, but it drinks clean, and that's really what matters. Um, little little adjuncty finish. Not a lot of carbonation, but pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Heck yeah! I'd pound this. I'm probably about to pound it. So. <laughs> you know how that goes. I got some I got some beers I need to get through here in the old beer fridge. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um so your world, Villem, how is it? How goes it? It's been this is your first cast in twenty twenty two, correct? Yeah, I believe so. I don't think I cast in January at any point, did I? The one that you talked about Oh yeah, by the way. Got me on the on the Downton kick, so thank uh-huh. you. Yeah, you checked it out. Checked it out. I fucked with it for a little bit. Um, all right, holds up. It's not not bad, not bad at all. What if Mister Pamuk? <laughs> oh my god! Um, Every time you go hit on Netflix, they play that clip. It's just like, what if Mister Pamuk? <laughs> Damn Brits. Um. Wait a second, I fucked up. What? I did not. I didn't watch Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh, what did you watch? <laughs> the fuck is that other one? I don't Bridgerton. God damn it! Ah. Fuck it. I was Bridgerton like, is like Downton's slutty sisters. Hell yeah, it is. It's I'm fucking. It's sure. awesome. Give yeah. me shit. It's great. I was like, you started saying shit. I was like, wait a second. Well, that actually makes sense because I was telling Mrs. Brian about your discussion and I was like, yeah, villain was watching this and he's telling me his favorite character and she started listing off the characters like, nah, it's not it. Not that one either. And she's like getting to the like third tier characters in the show. And I'm like, I don't, that's wild. He he must've been on a different season, I guess, or something. (laughs) Yeah. No. I watched Bridgerton a while ago. Actually, I just, Downton's better. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure, I'm sure it, uh, it strokes different for folks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how that goes. Uh, oh my God. I've been, I've been catching up on all my, all my shows. Uh, I don't know. Are you, are you a star Wars fan villain? Yeah. Have you been the fucks with, uh, Disney plus and the offshoot, uh, shows in the star Wars I, universe? No, not, I have Disney plus now, but I haven't gotten into that really. What are you watching? Uh, so Mandalorian is, is, was good. Uh, last year, the second season was dope as fuck. Like I watched both seasons within two weeks I was caught up it was awesome. Uh, the book of Boba Fett now, whole, 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 the first episode I was like, this is just a fucking slow tug to get a Boba Fett storyline going here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, cool. He's awesome. Everybody's favorite bounty hunter. Yay. Boba Fett. But then the first episode was like, this is going to fucking suck. Bruh. Like every episode after that has, has been fucking amazing. Just so dope. And there's a Mandalorian crossover mid-season of it's nice. It's really goddamn good. I need to watch the Mandalorian. I haven't come into that. It's so I mean, it's so different. The pacing's so different than than movies because it's in a TV show format or hour long TV show yeah. format. Like it's it's very very good, and you can tell it's like it's you know written for a different audience. Um, so you get more into the actual plot lines instead of this like, you know, kind of hand holding through the storylines. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fucking good. Cool. I'm going to have to check it out. Oh my God. Just the, the fucking best, honestly. Uh, I've been out smoking cigars and trying to you know catch up on my shows. I gotta be honest. Y'all throw a curveball on me tonight. Cause I was planning on, uh, Sitting outside, smoking one last time before the fucking Arctic blast comes through tomorrow. Are y'all already? How is it cold up there already? It's getting cold. No, it's not cold yet, but it's getting cold. It's forty-five now. Oh yeah, so I got. I mean, that's not. It's cold dropped for ten nights, degrees though, in the past like two hours. Yeah, I was gonna say I just walked my dog around the block and I was in shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> And I wasn't like freezing. It was just a nice brisk walk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been, I haven't worn a jacket all day, which that's the first time. Well, I guess the last three days now. I I sold all of my jackets. (laughs) 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 Nothing to do with them. Just what else? What else are we going to do? It's definitely not going to wear them. (laughs) It's it's already February. Now, basically, spring, summer is right around the corner. Not the bathing suits. Shit, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, apparently not tomorrow here in Texas. Uh, everybody's planning on the world ending. You know, a slight frost will hit us, and uh, then the temperatures will drop. Uh, Dallas will freeze over. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Hell will freeze over, and uh, everybody will be miserable stuck at home. Well, I think under normal circumstances, it's it'd be handled, but given last year... Yeah, if I lived in Texas. I might be worried too. Oh, people, schools are already canceled. Fuck yeah, they are. They're people are like just throwing in the towel for the week already. They're like, you yeah. know what? We'll go half day Wednesday, and then we'll figure the rest of the shit out. We hopefully, God willing, we'll be back Monday. You know, no, the mm-hmm. public is out Wednesday through Friday already. Wow. Like, yep, done. Wow. <laughs> 
Dallas ISD already called off classes for Thursday, and they said Friday most likely a late start or not at all. Denton ISD, on the other hand, the antithesis of planning. They're like, we'll make the call Wednesday night. And then uh, Friday, who knows? You know, you guys stay tuned. I feel like they're doing the Tom Brady retirement report, but fucking school closings, you know? Mm, Back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, mainly just look at me. Listen to what I have to say. You guys listening? You guys listening? I'm about to retire or I'm not. Who knows? Fucking goddamn Tom Michael Brady. That's the middle name, right? Michael? I don't fucking know. You're asking the wrong person. Tom Gary Brady. So much worse. I think his middle name is Faith. Tom Tom Faith Brady? Yep. Is it though? He had it legally changed to Mr. Giselle. Oh, Edward Patrick. Edward Patrick. Oh, Brady. he's got four names. Junior, bruh. Oh, he's a junior? Mm. I never knew that. Well, judging by crime and sports lore, he's only a couple of years away from committing some heinous crimes because if you're a junior in sports. <laughs> in sports. Mm-hmm. I'm a junior. Yeah, but you, in sports. You're a professional athlete. You know what I mean? Mm. Thank you through the towel a long time ago, friend. Yeah, we definitely know you're not going. Not because I couldn't be. <laughs> not because I couldn't be. I just didn't want to. Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant, they all turned pro right out of high school. So yeah. not the same. Uh, Villain, we know that you had to medically retire from your bread cutting championships. So, oh, God, don't talk about cutting. A career cut short. Now. Such a fucking idiot. Yeah, I cut my finger with the bread knife. How fast were you cutting bread, bro? Ordinarily sharp bread knife. I was asking her who needs this sharp of a bread knife. No, it was just like one pull, but it was a thin loaf. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like that. So I kind of just had it and I haphazardly just sliced through, not thinking. He was being sloppy. That I had my finger on the backside of the loaf. Mm. It was just upsetting. Very, very upsetting. It is a very sharp bread knife, but I stand by my statement. Do you want a dull bread knife? Right. No. I mean, you just want to have crumbles of bread. <laughs> it's just slash. Do you want that wound to be like <laughs> way worse? Yeah, I trust. I need cut at least. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a slice. It's <laughs> it's as clean as a serrated bread knife cut can be. Yeah, honestly. God, damn. Uh, I hate talking about this right now. Okay. <laughs> hey, all I gotta say is at least you didn't cut into your thumbnail like I did. Oh, did you go to the ah. emergency room for that one? No. It's fuck no. No, I didn't go to the emergency room. What am I, fucking 12? <laughs> I threw a finger caught on it until I got done cutting bell peppers. And then once that guy, once the bell peppers got on to, to the, the skillet, I took the finger caught off and it just fucking geysered blood all over the kitchen sink. Oh. And then I just, you know, washed it off. Pieced it back together best I could, threw a band-aid on it, and finished making dinner, and then you know the next like two weeks though, it was basically like I had a oh god, oh it was it was so bad. I had to use a liquid bandage on it at one point because the skin was healing over and my you know how skin gets like 
as it's growing together, the old skin is like flaky and at the end and it would get caught on stuff and it would try to reopen the wound. Ow, ow, yeah, ow. yeah, ow. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fucked up. Um, God, just thinking about it makes my fucking arms like tingle. God damn it. I'm going to have to go through a fucking... Well, okay, so th- that, you so know... Right now it's not bleeding, so it's fine. That's no, it's perfect. Knock on wood, but with the other hand. <laughs> Knock on wood, but with the other hand. Mm-hmm. I just knocked up. Oh, nope, it's bleeding again. It's bleeding. It's, nope, <laughs> spurting blood all over the wood that I just knocked on. This is not good. Yeah, oh, splinter. Good. I got that going for me. No, Willem, the like the week after I cut my thumb, I burned my hand on the fucking skillet. So on the same oh. hand. So it was just a fucking walking nightmare. It was so bad. So fucking bad. I'm leaving for Ireland in a week. Yeah, oh, yeah, you gotta get healed up. You can't be going to the old fucking motherland. Oh, I can't can't imagine the uh impact airplane pressure does to that. No, they pressurize the cabin, Frank. You'll be fine. You'll be cabin fine. pressure, yeah. yeah you'll be saying. fine. Stupid idiot. A stupid idiot. So stupid. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I feel like I feel like they put like lime zest or something in here. In where? Uh, in this beer that I'm drinking. Uh, mm, you would, interesting. It's 500 pesos, Mexican style. 500 Lager. pesos? Mm-hmm. Some high class, high quality cerveza. H2 cerveza? Yep. Well, apologies. I had a bit of a child emergency. She started crying when my wife was in the shower. So I had to figure that out. She couldn't um, just get it together, man. Come on. We're recording a podcast. No, she, she did, has you t- this did you tell her that? Like, did you tell her you were recording no. a podcast? Okay. Well, this is- <laughs> she has this thing where, like, she'll go to bed and then wake up. 20 or 30 minutes later and want a snack and then go to bed for good. Mm. Um, She's living the best life then. That that shit. Yeah. But some, some nights you're just like, you ate half an ounce. Like this isn't even worth anybody's time. It's not worth your time to wake up. Not worth my time to warm up two ounces. Uh, Like tonight, tonight was half an ounce, half an ounce. And she fell right back asleep and she's sleeping now. We'll see how long that lasts. But she's also at that spot where it's like you can, her her entire um, uh, <clears throat> sleep schedule rearranges. Mm-hmm. So I'm just let's just hope tonight's not the first night. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, it'll be fine. We'll see where it goes. But yeah, no. Other than that, I am having the electric jellyfish tonight. Ah, uh, had someone buy me a four pack of that. So. Good, you know, good on them. Speaking of uh, that, uh, I want to make a correction. I think last week I had uh, particles collide. You said you paid twenty some dollars for that. Yeah, I well, okay, no, I said I paid like twelve fourteen because it was there and I was going to pay for it either way, no matter how much it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. What I found out was when I went to total this last week, I was like, let me just go check it out and see how much I pay. Eighteen ninety nine. So yeah, nineteen dollars at total Whoa. for a four pack of sixteen ounce cans. And I gotta say, while yes, expensive, um worth it. They're really fucking good. This is really good good goddamn beer. And that's that's a good beer. And it's also yeah, not available come- year round like a electric jellyfish is. Yep. So when you come when you come down next time, we'll go to Pine House. Um, they now have a full 
production brewery mm-hmm. in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll go down and you know see what it's like because I've not been. Um, I, I see it on the side of the road, um, and it's in. It's kind of by, by where uh, uh, Saint Elmo is. Mm. So yeah, we'll do that. <clears throat> okay. Oh my God, Villem, are you now drinking a tiny cup of coffee? Or is it <laughs> no, tea? Tea. Honey lavender tea. Oh, you fancy as shit, Willem. Look at you. My wife is trying to calm me down because I've been reeling over the fingering. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Willem. <laughs> you got you got to chill with the finger, bro. Yeah, it, the adrenaline's really good, you know, for getting the blood. Yeah. 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 And, well, the worst part about a finger cut is you have to rinse it out, and it always looks like a fucking like sorcery going on on your finger like mm-hmm. it just you can turn an entire bathtub blood red with yeah. one finger prick like it's insane how long it takes to stop flowing blood it's it's yeah. like when you when you shave your your beard and and you if you if you nick yourself how long does that shit yeah. bleed it seems like it can bleed for days yeah that's true so especially well um sorry go ahead no, just yeah, the finger it, it runs blood like crazy. I and I think I the, the part were... that I hate is when you can feel your heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Like you know yeah, when was... when Buddy the Elf says, "I can feel my heartbeat." <laughs> yeah. When he goes, when he goes for the finger prick. Very uh, relatable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, totally relatable. <laughs> uh, Topical, seasonal, everything. Oh, it's great, Buddy <laughs> the Elf. What's your favorite color? Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that I wanted to bring to the cast tonight, um, which is is something not, I don't know, I don't, I think maybe the Baylor sex scandal trumped the Baylor neurosurgeon killing people scandal. Oh, but, wait, are you talking about, or are you talking about the Baylor basketball player killing people? No, no, no. Oh, okay. See, this is what I'm saying. Even in our, this happened in our hood while we were living here. Okay. I don't, you're going to have to run that by me one more time. Okay. So, so, you know how in the early 2010s, Baylor had their whole rape problem at the school with the football team and part of the basketball team and whatnot. Yeah. No, not the basketball team. It was a football team and uh, some some other team at Baylor. Coaching staff. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think it might have been the soccer team or something. It was, no, look, maybe it was lacrosse. I can't remember. There were two teams. Yeah. But Duke lacrosse had the, yeah. And boy. Anyway, right. we should talk about that at some point, because um, that lady got sued into the ground for some seriously false accusations. <laughs> um, the the uh, the Baylor rape scandal was going on, but unbeknownst to I think a lot of people, unless you've now seen the Peacock documentaries miniseries, it's 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 a drama docu series with Alec Baldwin um, called Doctor Death. Okay, there was a spinal neurosurgeon, okay, at Baylor University that operated on folks and killed them or paralyzed them for life. It, not not just one time, like 30, 40 patients I, until they finally got their license revoked um, and now is serving a very long prison sentence. Um, on purpose? Uh, well, so here's the thing. I'm not. I'm not through the whole series yet. Um, also, I've, I've 
I've sort of like topically known about this case. I just so, never, it never registered what was going on. Real right? quick. Like I was just, I, I got to stop you real quick. Okay. So he did not, he was not at Baylor. He was in, no, da- he was, he was a, he was at Baylor hospital medical in, center in Dallas. In Plano. In Plano. Yeah. Well, for sure. He was hired by the, the, the staff, um, I would just want to make staff. sure that like I, the way no, you hold s- on, wait, 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 hold on. He was hired by the chief of staff for the Baylor university system, the hospital system, right in Waco. Yeah. And he was tasked to go set up the surgical unit in the Baylor, Baylor university medical center and the university are one and the same. They are two separate entities, but their students get first pick to go there. Um, they, they are a feeder program. It's, it's, one and the same. It's ran by university. Okay, so he joined uh, Baylor Regional well. Medical Center in Plano. Now Baylor yeah. Scott White as a minimally invasive spine surgeon. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, j- I just want to make like you made it sound like he was down in Waco, fucking murking people up. He was in Dallas. No, but he could have been because he, he was at Baylor Medical Ce- University Medical Center too. He was in Waco at one point. He was hired to the Plano, but he he operated in the whole network. Both so, are equally. Do- I mean, yeah. No, it's not. I'm saying the <laughs> unfortunately, when you have a university medical center system, right, they're one and the same. Like Tufts Medical Center is for profit to the university, even though it's a nonprofit, right? The university gets to deduct shit through it. They get to send students to it. It is a it is a it's one in the same. OK, to the public um, on tax records and shit, it's not the same. I understand they're separate entities, separate liabilities, all that stuff. So in any case, this dude goes and operates out of the medical center in Plano, and his first surgery was major complications. Like this person can walk uh, after this spinal surgery. The third surgery, he killed someone. Okay, they bled out on the operating table. As people started to come up with complications and go to other doctors. They went to some of the best doctors in Dallas and they would go to one or two, right? There's spinal surgeons. You might in your town have one, like in Tulsa, there's probably one really, really known, uh, a neurology spinal surgeon. And I guarantee you here in, in Austin, it's one and we might have a pediatric, you might have one. Yale graduates two of these people a year. Okay, they're they're really really fucking rare talents. So this dude got hired, then started injuring people, and his patients started seeing some of the other top people in town. Dallas happened to have two other top people, and these people started noticing correlation. Like they're all coming from this one guy, and the shit that they're seeing is just insane. This one guy opened up a cut on a patient that had a spinal surgery, right? And a cut for, for what he was doing was, is minimally invasive, right? So it's supposed to be like a little like one, two inch cut. This cut was like five inches and had an entire fucking gauze pack left in the guy's spine. And it was infecting. He was like tw- 10, 15 minutes away from dying from sepsis, okay? So that's where the story gets very interesting where you're like, okay, is this guy doing it intentionally? Is he... Is he just really poorly trained? Like, what's what's going on here? Because he had 15 years of of uh, neuroscience and practicing and, and performing surgeries and whatnot, and 
when he started going back into the clinical area, it just fucking he started hurting people. And they, they I don't think there's really an explanation. So, so far as what I've come to gather, he pled, you know, that he didn't do anything wrong. And everybody was like, dude, some of these plates that you put on people's spines made their spines more crooked. <laughs> there's no way you could do this. Jeez. Yeah. So, but again, this happened between 2010 and 2015. Yeah. So it's, and, uh, it's debatable whether he did it on purpose or whatever. It's is he? No, he it's like gross malpractice. malpractice it's gross malpractice is essentially what he went down for. So he he went down for manslaughter, negligent manslaughter, on like eight counts, and eight counts carry up to I think it's five years per count minimum. So he's away until he's at least seventy four, which was the intent of the prosecutor because she was like, this guy just never needs to practice again. Um, now he's serving prison time until I think he's 74, but yeah, at a minimum, but there's, there's a debate in, in the, in that community of like, could you be this bad unintentionally? Cause what he did was just gross negligence. Like it's not even, there's some fields where that just doesn't really matter. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, engineers, if their things fail. People. Yeah, correct. In in certain countries, if your if your building collapses in certain countries, you're held liable. In this country, if you signed off on it, in this well, country, it's a little bit different in this country. country. I took engineering ethics, and yep. in this country, you if you have a failed engineering project that causes loss of life or de- you know person you know personal injury, then you get put like they scrutinize your work and see if anything that you did wasn't up to like standard code, whatever. And those things, whether intentional or not, will get used against you as like, here's an example of how this could have been avoided. These lives could have been saved. And if, if four degrees, then you can go to prison. Even if it was just like some super, you know, like only an engineer would, know this and you know like even if it's something very technical if you were supposed to do it and you didn't or whatever and you yeah you, yeah so the re- the reason i said supposedly is because those things rarely ever put the person in prison 90% of the time that person has insurance mm-hmm. because they have a professional engineering or, stamp yeah, I was gonna right? say, or and whatever company they're working for has insurance that has insurance their, their designs. So it's even, even in medical malpractice, right? It's rare that the person gets prison time. It's normally a civil suit, you know, pays out some money. This was one of the first ones in a long time where a doctor actually went to prison for it. I think the other one was the doctor who, like offered ethical suicides in Florida. Oh yeah. That that person also went to prison for doing that because that's just illegal. Clavorkian? I think so, yeah. Uh yeah. so there was a doctor in my hometown who very like un uncanny resemblance to some of the stories that happened to Dr. Death, which by the way, Dr. Death uh, is Dr. Christopher Dunch. This dude, there, there's a 10 part wondery podcast about Dr. Death that led to, uh, uh, like a lifetime movie or lifetime, like, uh, by the way, can we give it up for wondery? Wondery is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like I've not, there is not a single wondery podcast that is not good. I mean, they, they turned us down. So they're not that great. That's true. Well, 
I mean, there is some talent out there that they can still procure. Right. Anyway, we uh, we're, just, we're really wanting to start our own. We're going to call we it the a few Mavericks. <laughs> we do. We're gonna... We've got the tap the t- the tap room. The we've uh, got the tap room set up already. The tap room. <laughs> okay. Uh, no. Anyway, so this doctor. Okay, the doctor death here in Dallas. Uh, there was a doctor in my hometown in the '90s who was sued for malpractice, and it was one of the. Like, it, I don't know how it couldn't have been uh, as big a case. Like, I'm guessing that what I heard was like small town, like version of telephone happening. But I do know that he got sued. I do know that he lost his license to practice medicine for like five years. And I do know that it had something to do with sewing up a medical instrument into someone's body oh. after surgery or, you know, during surgery. Wow. Um, and that happens more than people realize. Is oh, yeah. Heard. Yeah, they, and they it wand over you before they, uh, like the detector or whatever, to make sure they got everything out. But I mean, it wouldn't yep. show up like gauze. So there was, like that's the that's the right. fucked up shit. Like there was another no. So this dude had a different occasion. He, there's there's three things that that happened that I was just like, what the fuck? Gauze. Okay. He had uh, extra bolts mm-hmm. that he <laughs> left inside a person. He had a bolt screwed into flesh. Yeah, I was going to supposed to be holding an entire like vertebrae in place. I was going to read this to you. Uh, so one of the patients probably not great. Later recall waking up to feel excruciating pain, 10 plus on a scale of 1 to 10. Several people who were in the operating room for this surgery suspected that Dunch might have been intoxicated recalling that his pupils were dilated. Longtime spine surgeon Robert Henderson performed a, sav- a salvage surgery on this lady. When Henderson saw the imaging from Dr. Dunch's surgery, he was certain that there would be legal action and had to s- and had the salvage surgery recorded. First off, salvage surgery sounds fucking terrible. He likened to what he found when he opened this lady up to the result of a child playing with tinker toys or an erector set. Henderson described Dunch's surgery as an assault and concluded that this lady would have been bedridden had the salvage surgery not been performed. Yeah. So you you should you should watch the show because it. Hey, hey! I'm not sure why it's not much more um, widely talked about. Like it, it is a Alec Baldwin does a fantastic job. Um, I don't remember the name or the movie that the the lead, um, the Doctor Death, the guy that plays Doctor Death, that um, that he's originally from, but he is also very famous. Um, really good acting really good storytelling like they they don't they don't not tell you what actually happened like they're not making up the facts of you're, you're talking about you know, joshua jackson joshua yeah. jackson of dawson's creek fame and several other movies it wasn't he in uh, peaky Bl- not peaky blinders what's that uh gangster movie he's in a couple things i've seen him uh, Several you, times. You're talking about Mighty Ducks and Mighty Ducks D2. God damn it. He's in okay. both of those as well. Okay. Um, he is in Mighty Ducks. That's yeah. correct. He's a young kid, too. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, what I like about it is, is inevitably everybody goes and reads what actually happened. And the way the series is set up, even though, you know, obviously they had to interpret some of the conversations and stuff that took place, the facts are the same. 
They didn't change any of the facts because you don't need to dr dramatize any of what this dude did. He was like yeah. as horrific as you can get. Um, so I, I just found it interesting that, A, we didn't even really know this was going on during that time. It was underreported. And then, B, the series you know, is so good. I, I would have definitely thought someone would have spoken about it before they spoke about Yellowstone. Yellowstone is great, but this has been out for damn near a year. <laughs> And no one has brought it up. I've never seen it written about anywhere. Like it's just it's a good series though. Definitely go watch it. What is it called? Doctor Death. It's it's on Peacock. Okay. Mm, you can find that in the tap room uh if you go to our beer PN server. Um, yeah, beer beer PN, we always post things early. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, we get And the, free. And free. Actually we pay you to watch it on Beer PN. <laughs> it's gotta put up with some ads. Yeah, we pay you in crypto, okay? It's right. Tom Brady's <laughs> crypto, Tom coin. It's our own stable coin, which we know is very liquid. You've got to call it stable. you got to call it stable, otherwise people don't buy it. We call know? it horse coin because it's in the stable. That's how stable it is. <laughs> it's so stable. E-coin. There you go. E-coin. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There Man, we that's go. a double dad joke in, one, Shit, in yeah. one sitting. That's a lot. My gosh. That's, that's a lot to digest in one sitting. Dude, I heard the. Oh, oh, well, we'll get into it later. Anyway, go on. Sorry, uh, Doctor. No, no, that's all I had. I was gonna say, Doctor Death. Uh, that podcast. Let's, let's wrap the cast. Let's just wrap it up. <laughs> um, Doctor Death. When the podcast came out, Mrs. Brian was listening to it religiously, and then had to stop because it was creeping her out because they were getting into the like the details of the malpractice oh, yeah. suits. And that, like mm -hmm. the level of malpractice that was going on, yeah. and it was it was rough. It was, it was rough. Yeah, I would I would suggest Wondery probably if it's a ten part series, that's ten hours of listening to this shit. Uh, it, skip it. Go to the mini series on on Peacock. It'll go into the details, but it's not going to be like this lady couldn't even get up and go to church on a Sunday, etc. You know, like the stuff. Even though you do understand that that's what's going on here. Um, I think the high-level overview is plenty to understand how fucking horrible this human being was. It's like not not having to go to like look at Ted Bundy's locker pictures, you know? Like, don't need it. Understand? Yep, got he ate people. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the level of evil this human being is, and he's practiced right up the street from uh, Brian. Yeah, it's good. It's good times. Yeah, I. Love it. If he was at Baylor Scott yeah. White, uh, it was right across the highway from my job. Yep. Cool. I mean, good times all around. Well, now now you have some facts, right? You can throw it at people. Do you know Dr. Christopher da-da-da practiced wish... spinal surgery over there? You know what? Do you know him? Do you understand what he did? You know, I'm a person who likes to talk about that shit. I'll uh, bring no, it that's up Scottish all right. day. Never mind. I was going to say, we had an interview with a person who was but it was a different hospital anyway mm. yeah i um no okay so so sorry last thing you know how like certain personalities always blame other people for their situation in life yeah okay and, and we all know that to be like pretty serious personality flaw yeah um this dude it's infuriating how like fucking wormholy he got about it so he'd be like the the nurse who was there 
was supposed to be checking and counting the gauzes as they came out of the patient and da 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 da. And then the person, the, the guy came back and he's like, Yeah, but you never told people when you put a gauze in. Exactly. So how would he count? Yeah. So it's like, it's his malpractice was always exp- like passed off onto someone else, but it could always come back to him when you like actually went through what happened. <laughs> it- <laughs> <laughs> that shit reminds me. As it me. always is. As that, it always is. Shit reminds me of the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode where they the gang solves the gas crisis, part one. And oh, yeah. uh, they get a big vat of gasoline and Charlie is like siphoning the gas out and just putting it in. And they're like, how are you counting the gas, Charlie? And he's like, I'm just counting it, you know. One, two, three. That's not counting. You can't count gas that way, Charlie. <laughs> like, same to me. Same vibe, it's, yeah, near near in the same. Yeah, it's man. I'm how are you counting the? So good. How are you counting the gauze, nurse? You don't know how many you, <laughs> you put in. So um, I think I've been swallowing a lot of this gas, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think we we have to address something here. Um, uh, Tom Brady retired. Yeah, yeah, we hinted about that. Oh, yeah, we briefly talked. Touched yeah. on it. We, we. Oh, you did. Yeah, we touched on it in the same way. I don't remember how I was bringing it back, but it was very. Look at me, guys. Am I going to do it? I don't know. You have to keep tuning in to see if I'm going to retire. Keep checking back here. I'm going to do it. Maybe not. I'm going to do it. I'm totally going to do it, guys. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. I mean, okay. So, so here, here's the, the one thing I'll say, and that's the only thing I will say on the subject because he retired as a Buccaneer and whatever. I haven't watched Tom Brady game in a long time. Um, the, I, I could only imagine that he was trying to, before retiring and announcing it, make sure that he could have some kind of one-day contract back to New England and then retire as a Patriot. Mm. And it takes a bit to get through that, like at least a full Monday, because you have to Robert Kraft probably has to write a bit of a check to the Buccaneers yeah. to pay some of the salary payroll taxes that they have to pay. So, um, do you think that's why that he, is that he, is my thought around it? I think he he you can't officially announce a retirement. Like there are financial consequences to it. Um, obviously, tax consequences are out the yin yang for him because he's got to pay some taxes on deferred income and all that shit that now becomes vested. So. It, it wouldn't surprise me now it, how it leaked to Adam Schefter and why and who he told before. It, stupid. Like whoever had that information before, unless Tom Brady told Adam Schefter I'm retiring tomorrow, that person should have just kept their mouth shut. Like it's, it, it, you're not talking about the retirement of fucking some yin yang player in the middle of nowhere NFL. Like this dude was obviously always going to get a lot of attention for his retirement. Schefter decided to publish it, which I think is a, is a different thing. Like everybody gets to like gracefully talk about their retirement. And then all of a sudden Tom Brady's leaks out. It's just odd. Like the whole thing to me was odd. The fact that he didn't mention the Patriots was odd. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, once he was done with that game two Saturdays ago, I always assumed he would retire. I don't think it was a big surprise. Um, why, you know, it kind of transpired the way it did. I have no idea, but the only explanation I could come up with is maybe he's waiting for that one day contract to retire as a Patriot. 
You think that's why he also did it before that fifteen million dollars signing bonus payout that Troy brought no, up? No, 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 for sure not. Well, for sure, if, not. if he set through that, then the Patriots have to pay that and sign him. So, but I, I bet what happened there is the owner of the Bucks said, "I would pay you that, irrespective." Yeah. Um, I mean, think about this, right? Like, the Bucks have won one other Super Bowl. And that was with Warren Sapp and the defense that they had. And, pff, hold up. <laughs> Tiki Barber. <laughs> and Tiki Barber. Yeah, but Brad Johnson was their quarterback, right? So And the rest- Mike, the fucking A-Train All-Stott. That's Keyshawn true, Johnson. Yeah. They had- well, okay, no, but Keyshawn Johnson had no one to throw the ball, dude. Like, Brad Johnson couldn't get it five yards. Decoy, down. baby. Decoy. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> no, but it was their defense who won I it. Know. I think their defense scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So, yeah. in any case... Like to have a shoe in Super Bowl run and all it cost you is fifteen million. Yeah. And Tom, you know, got you to the promised land. Hey, it's money well spent. Hell, if if Tom Brady came to the Vikings and took them to a Super Bowl, Tom Brady would be enshrined. <laughs> They'd have a statue built outside. <laughs> like there's a, no doubt about a it. A statue? They'd build that motherfucker in the middle of a river. It would divert water to <laughs> get that we'll dude's statue. Right on the fifty yard line. Yeah, like, Tom is always a part of this team. <laughs> sorry, it's in play all the time. It's bronze. This really hurts. Yeah, you better watch it. He's okay. So, w- one of the funniest rules in the NFL is at Jerry World, where if you hit the jumbotron, you get to re-kick it. Yeah. No, motherfucker. Yeah, if you no. hit the drum, where it lands is where you kicked it. Well, good luck playing from rule? the fucking good luck playing from the uh, forty yard line, sixty feet up in the air or whatever it is. <laughs> it's where it landed. Kick a flatter kick. Like I don't understand. The, the rule is so dumb. It's like okay, so you can still boot it, and then if you happen to hit the jumbotron, we get you a retry. I'm gonna be honest. That stadium, the jumbotron, is not the worst part of that stadium, and I'm glad that it finally hit fucking national airwaves with the sun that comes in in the afternoons oh, in that stadium yeah. is so fucking, fucking bad. I was just like, I don't know where that ball went. <laughs> I do. I've been in that stadium in the afternoon and tried to like, we, we had a work event there. Okay. We, the person who we were there to see, not going to name names, not going to say anything. The person who we were there to see was up against the glass no oh, one could fucking see that person. It might as well have been a fucking janitor from the <laughs> cleaning crew, and we'd have been like, "I guess I don't fucking know, man. Shit, I'm staring into Alan the Jackson? I'm staring into the sun right now, motherfucker. <laughs> like I can't see a goddamn thing, and I'm six feet away from you, and I'm not getting. I'm not about to get pummeled by professional athletes. Yeah, like that's and terrifying. That, that, but that sun also has like the ability with a glass like. It warps perception. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Uh, Dude, and it's, uh, admittedly, it's only a couple times of the year that it happens. It's like when the sun is super low in the south. It happened when the the Barca game was happening. Yeah, well, that's a regular afternoon fucking sun is what you're describing there. Uh, But that's also why they don't have a whole lot of afternoon games. And even, even when they do have afternoon games, it's not that bad because in the, like, normal time when they're playing... It's fucking dark almost by four o'clock, five o'clock. Dude, that that stadium is a it's an engineering marvel and a fucking nightmare all at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've never understood 
the designs with the glass outsides. Like there, there's a lot of ways to get glass into a stadium and natural lighting without just building it out of fucking glass. Yeah, like, use, I, I just don't use hefty bags like the fucking uh, the Hubert Humphrey Metrodome used no, to be. Let's not do that. No, great natural <laughs> light. Just fucking, it's really God. diffused light. Really diffused light. <laughs> Philip, <laughs> do you remember the first time we went to the Metrodome to go to a Twins game and you could sit on the first baseline for like $20 mm-hmm. first row like they didn't even have assigned seating you just paid for an area <laughs> just general admission wherever you could go that this was when the Twins cheaper yeah, and it, the twins were about to leave town too. So the owners were just like, you know, fuck it, whatever. No, they were about to be cut actually from the league. <laughs> like, that was, not even like that was post Kirby well, Puckett, yeah, I mean, right? The twins were more obscure, but they were also closer to their World Series victories at that point. Yeah, uh, that's true. Much, much closer, uh, but they not even cheaper like twenty dollars doesn't get you as much today as it did back then but like bro twenty dollars is not gonna get you a hot dog and a beer and for dirt cheap i mean yeah no some some of the what was the student nights were like seven bucks a seat or something like crazy cheap i think you could get ten dollar ten dollar per seat like regular tickets they weren't great and it's some of those special like ten seven dollar seats came with hot dogs and a drink and shit yeah, like, and I don't know how many to... Timberwolves playoffs games we went to because those were more affordable. Yep. Uh, yeah, we went to the, the the greatest run of Timberwolves basketball ever. Yeah, we went to like two like, or three games. We went to game six and game seven of the Western Conference Finals. No, five and seven. <laughs> West, Western Conference Finals. Sam Cassell. Uh, Sam Cassell got hurt, and we got to see Troy Hudson play point guard and play us out of the fucking finals um yeah that'll be the some of the greatest memories that i have watching sports within that series where like we we were in the back like target center was packed and we were against the back wall and like when shit would go crazy people would hit the back wall to make more noise in the stadium imagine right a thousand people two thousand people in that ring just hitting the fucking wall that sounds like a terrible idea i know it's great it's fantastic (laughs) i was 15 i was having it all of it (laughs) villam is there guys can you not do that guys (laughs) guys i don't know if this was built for the the structure can't we can't hold fucking two thousand fists (laughs) yeah If that structure imploded on us, it would have been one of my happiest sports memories ever, and that would have been fun. Might have been the last. Got to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been. For sure, it would have been the last. <laughs> Bill, do you remember uh, Latrell Sprewell? Oh, yes. With his fucking spinning wheel shoes that it's came a, out that year, too. They were like $300 shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, as you walked, the, 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 the fucking wheels would spin. Shut you up. Don't remember that? You don't remember those, Brian? I do. I do. I fucking... I, the air pump built into him. Yeah, it's they like a little. He invented awesome. the spinning rim. Is why he did. Yeah. I no, mean, no, 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 no. They were. Yes, he did. He bought some of the first spinning rims or something like that. He, and well, then, he had his own brand of dub. I know that he yeah. had his own brand, the Spreewells, and they were twenty-inch rims that kept spinning every time I stopped. <laughs> and uh, but it was like he was like the one person who had a fucking rim 
that was his. Everybody else is yep. like, yeah, no, I bought the Giovanni's or the fucking, uh, yeah, no, I bought the Spreewells. I'm sitting on Spreewells right yeah, now. Yeah, Spreewell shoes, dude, with the fucking spinning rims. I forgot about those, and they they are not cheap. Like, Still, it, after aftermarket, that shit's like fourteen hundred bucks now. Because people threw them bitches away. <laughs> they well, they were plastic and, with them. and it was like a little air pump in the sole. I mean, they just weren't made to last, really. It's like if you had those, you probably should have just kept them in the box. Yeah. Did you uh, – we used to live across the street or the, the next neighborhood over from uh, Kevin Garnett. Yep. Went to uh, – I went to high school with his niece, and he was at yep. my graduation. <laughs> yeah, he was there for you. Had, it was like everybody was here, and then there sat uh, KG. <laughs> like a fucking like the whole crowd's a certain level, and there's just one pin sticking up. <laughs> so he, yeah, he, yeah, dude, he he lived in Cedar Park, and then. Uh, uh, Whoa! The, let's not give too many details. What's his face? No, but you remember Tyrone Carter, the quarterback, lived in our neighborhood. What uh-huh. type A positive? <laughs> yeah, that was before. Social security number is. We had actually, we lived in a townhome complex that was near the practice facility for the Vikings. Not like nearish. It wasn't that near, but it was in the same town. Yep. And uh, <laughs> not Minneapolis. And, uh, the greater Minneapolis St. Paul area, obviously. And so a lot of new a lot of new players would come through like Tyrone Carter and there were others too. I can't even remember all their names, but uh that would be they would like rent a place here. Like that would be like their landing spot, you know, and then they'd and one of the people that actually we were friends with his kid uh, he like hung out with all the fucking football players and like tried to hang with them, but he's not wealthy enough. Nope. No, no, the, the 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 that neighborhood was the shit. It was right next to the red. We could walk to Big Willow to go play little league baseball and shit. That was a good time. So real quick, uh, misspoke. Not Dub, but Davin or Davin Spreewell original sp- original spinners apparently had nothing to do with uh, Latrell Spreewell. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to get the rim that inspired the shoe though, you can pick up a set of four used 20 by tens, which are pretty big ass fucking tires, rims and tires for $9,900. Holy <laughs> shit. Uh, with $275 shipping cause they're fucking 20 inch rims. So it's going to cost a lot. Jesus. To get them to yeah. Yep. I'm just going to say, uh, Iconic, iconic sneakers in terms of basketball players. You've got the Jordans, and I've got to put the Spreewell spinning rim shoes like right there. Like not, 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 not in terms of sales, but in terms of nostalgia. Kids, if you were in school when the Spreewell spinners were out, people bought them. They wore them. It was cool as shit to have them. Like the the, the fucking spinning wheel as you're walking. That shit was awesome. Like I, I, there have been few shoes that I think you know that aren't Jordans that came out that people actually like wanted to find. I got outside of SB Dunks and stuff. I got all those can go to bed. I got one ready. Lugs light up LA gear, baby. Oh, the LA gears are great. 
Light up LA yeah, gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, dude, they're they're making a huge comeback. Oh, they've been back, son. Oh, <laughs> they have been back. Uh, my daughter had a pair when she was okay, like wait, two. Wait, wait, wait. They wait, were one, sick. One second. One second. I understand LA gear has been around for the babies and the toddlers. Uh-huh. I'm saying they're making a big comeback in the, the adults teens and no, not adults, okay. quite yet. but like it, they, they have this entire line that they're pushing under the influencers that are pretty sick, but they're like super retro eighties type sneakers with the hot pinks and the lime greens and all that shit. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Now you said something that got sparked, sparked my brain here. Um, definitely need to make sure that all of our associates for beer PN are called under the influencers. Ooh, love it. Take that note. Okay. Love it. Yeah. Capture that. It. I'll cut that out in post so that way no one steals our idea. No, I like that. Yeah. No, it'd be unfair of them to take it and run with it at yeah. this point. We've definitely we, we, we pretty much patent things and trademark it right on this podcast. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yep. All this is true. This is into, all okay. So can, can we switch to the metaverse? <laughs> we've been, you know, what's amazing about the metaverse? We've been in it this whole time. So <laughs> okay, let's talk about that. Let's also talk about the fact that people are so sick of this reality that they're apparently investing in some alternate reality um, that they're spending millions of dollars on because the current land sales in the metaverse it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Frank, we talked about yeah. NFTs last week. Can we move on? Oh, we're not talking about NFTs. Sales? What the fuck? Does that <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's. We've talked about uh, space on the moon. Like uh, you can buy real estate on the moon and Mars. And you can buy a star if you want. You At least name those it. places fucking exist. Honestly, I just yeah, exactly. And I have this massive conspiracy theory theory that's not really a conspiracy that probably could be explained as well as the. Uh, mattresses, uh, mattress firms are for money, money laundering. They are. That's um, that's legit. <laughs> it has to be legit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we got onto him and look at him close. Look at him close. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, first off, who's buying? How many people are buying mattresses? When was the last time you bought a fucking mattress? You exactly. Know? Like, look at those bitches shut down now. They're blaming it on Casper. It's not Casper. It's not Casper. It's on Max Straw. <laughs> Dwight Schrute's beat. Is that a mattress firm across from a mattress firm I see here? Dude, there was there were three mattress firms within I shit you not Dallas walking distance, which means it's in the same fucking strip mall parking lot. Okay. Three of them. Three. So, so in, in any case, planning. when my theory on the metaverse and NFTs, right? Okay. I don't know if I threw this out last week, but it is a it is a way for people to turn something that is actually kind of maybe valuable price wise. We don't really know what it's worth. This crypto has been so inflated um, with fake trades. Uh, <clears throat> they're trading something that is of value for something that literally holds no value because not everybody can cash out of crypto. So what is the value? I mean. NFTs don't make any sense to me. The value don't. part is not the what's experiencing the piece of art. That is like well the existence of it and digital being art, able to hold it medium, and, like, and you can't suddenly go, oh, I'm gonna take the the medium of digital art and treat it as if it's a physical medium now and there's only one and that's just bullshit. That's not how life works. And no, and in the in the freaking digital space. 
Well, so okay, I I agree with you ninety percent of the way, right? Because if you're if you're if you're a graffiti artist, right, a lot of your tagging is done through stenciling, and you have a stencil, you spray it, you remove the stencil, you now have your like, you know, political statement on the wall. Um, if I were to purchase the stencil and the piece next to it. That's sort of a one-of-one one combination, right? It's not often that someone's going to have that. That's a unique piece. Mm -hmm. um, in the digital world, if you know, you're not doing pixelated graphics that are generated through code, which is what 90% of these people do, if not 100%. I've not seen a person actually uniquely paint something and then turn it into an NFT. Might be wrong, but probably is out there so i'm going to say 90 percent of this shit is just pixelated art it's like two-bit graphics eight-bit graphic so if you're if you're just doing that i i mean you're buying a set of unique combinations within an algorithm that i guess hold value on the principle that that is a unique combo but what is your long-term value in the fact that, okay, so are, are you actually going to go enforce this copyright throughout time? So if someone goes and prints this media that didn't have your permission to do it, because as soon as you miss one or two of those, you no longer hold the exclusivity to it. It becomes open license. So that's my worry. I don't think people understand what they're buying into. It's like, okay, if you want to enforce your fucking bathing ape yacht club bullshit, Go do it, but you're but like you're, it's not revenue generating. Like, oh, I have the original token that's attached to the bitch. The fucking Yahoo logo is all over town, and no one's paying for that shit. <laughs> well, use your stencil example. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let's use. A, I just don't think that it exists in the digital I take example. A piece of canvas, and I put paint to it and it makes a unique composition yep and then i can have that printed and duplicated replicated whatever and sell those prints and that's not like having the original but then i still have the original and then i can say here is the original and you i will allow someone to buy it if i so choose and this is what i would like for it because it's very dear to me or something like that right yep that the original is distinctly different from the reproduction. Well, it has raised art. Yeah. It has raised pastels. Whatever, yeah. yeah, it's like it could be a whole different layer of paint underneath it that the artist reset everything and then painted over that. Yeah, it's like taking it's a picture at a gallery. Really it's, different yeah. from buying the reproduction. And but but what an NFT to me is is here's a reproduction and I'm going to call it the original and it is unique and nobody else and it's like no i could just right click copy image look now i have it too like well the difference of, so, uh, difference of, of something that has no no distinct uh differentiator the the difference with like what, what you're talking about vellum is reproductions there's a different there, there's a distinction between reproductions and lithographs lithographs yeah. limitless copies reproductions 
can only be called reproductions if there's a limited run of those, and then yeah. you have the original, which you're and if cur- they're somehow physically painted, paint, like it's not yeah, and usually the paint is not done by the artist themselves. Like but that's the I other. I guess piece. my bigger point is all of that makes sense to me, but trying to apply like that like, model of distributing art and stuff to I'm, a digital format just doesn't make any goddamn sense and shows how little you understand about the inherent value of an original piece of art in my opinion the right. only the only way that these nfts hold that value in the way that we're describing here is if there is some bit of code that is locked cannot be copied and pasted along the way and I say like this as a computer program yeah i was gonna say and i feel like if you villain are saying this is bullshit i'm like yeah no it's bullshit then because that was really the only like uh last grasp of like rationale that i would give to some original piece of digital art let's quickly right you can do that yeah i was gonna say i can do that with video now i can there is a way to do that with even an nft so it's not but that still inherently is not different like there is a differentiator to to you know a lithograph versus an original i mean this painting right next to me is an original i can touch it it has different characters on it characteristics on it it's got raised edges brush strokes everything right if someone wanted to come take a picture of it sure it's cool oh it can go print it on a piece of canvas frank i already already took a really high res picture of it got it printed put in my hallway marked it as original go fuck yourself boom okay uh uh, elevation scan yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. so but if 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 you want to do that go ahead it's not a problem i think the the problem with the nft world is i think people are buying into something that they don't really understand period but more importantly they are assisting a furtherance of you know ignorant investing an inherently illiquid market so crypto is illiquid there's not enough dollars out there to pay out the amount of coins that people own at the prices that they own them and as a result they're giving people the option to buy all this bullshit and the metaverse is the same they, they're trying to get them to go purchase this fucking digital land asset out there, just like they did in Second Life. Right? <laughs> second, you second remember Life. Second Life? Like, this is the same shit. It's like yeah. you heard about these people buying shit for 90 grand in Second Life, and you're like, okay. Who wants to say? But what, what, what life capacity to go, this, this place sucks. I'm going to go disconnect and go into this other fucking in, more insane place that actually doesn't even exist, and I'm going to feel. Totally sane. perfectly fine. Yeah. And then, but okay, so but think about Mark Zuckerberg, right? Yeah, as a fucking deal with the everyday absolute nihilist that he is, right? He's sitting there going, I've got whatever 150 billion dollars. Why don't I go invent a new world? Nobody here likes me. More, more currency, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, I, I don't know. Uh, I saw, I saw uh, it. It's uh, what you might call it, right? Artificial demand. It's like the base model of every fucking business in this motherfucker anymore. It's like shitty business. Let's make people want things so that you know, and then they just everyone just gets on the hype train anymore. No one is like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. I'm gonna be honest with you, right there with you, uh, in whiskey. Uh, (laughs) Follow me here. Yeah, I found uh, Michter's. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Michter's American Whiskey. Okay, it is one of the brands that's like, um, it became a whiskey lover's or a whiskey hoarder's like dream over the last two, three years. It's been incredibly difficult to find. I found a bottle. It's one of the few also like highly sought after bottles that doesn't 
demand a ridiculous price tag. So I picked up a bottle for $43 uh, two weeks ago. I have had one pour off of it, and I would rather have Woodford uh, if I want cherries in my in my whiskey. Like, I don't have to fucking search high and low for it. I don't have to pay almost double the price of a bottle of Woodford Reserve, and I have a much better experience. Like, it's artificial demand is the only reason I would I ever paid for more than $40 for an American bourbon. Yeah. But, <laughs> excuse me. Standard release American I think, bourbon. I'll say that because even even in those worlds, mm. right? Hype produces something, but it doesn't stop the person from producing. Right. So, it, to me, it's like okay, you go pay your forty three dollars or ninety dollars, whatever you're paying for it. it. Eventually, the price will either just sustain there, and then I know I can't afford that, or you know the price is going to come down because everybody's going to have a really disappointing experience, and right. it's fine. Um, it's the same in wine that happens all the time. Yep. I think that the, 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 the sort of the, the crux of the issue here is in some capacity, people sat around for a year or two, saved some money, and now they're just fucking blowing their load on stupid shit. And, and the people who sat around and they're like, well, we've been saving money or trying to save money this whole time. Um, we're not making any additional money because, oh, by the way, the, the the wage growth number in the next month or two is going to be zero. Um, it, all this like promising of fucking well, uh, won't be zero. I got a raise, but <laughs> no. But I'm saying like it, it's going to be minimal. It's Humble be brag, Villam over here. It's not going to be zero. You're welcome. I got <laughs> this. No, but you're, <laughs> I'd be I'd be very surprised if we're not back to the normal long run. You know. 2.23%. Like, I'd be very surprised. Same with inflation. It's coming back. Um, as production in these these materials, you know, gets back to normal. So <laughs> as you're dealing with all this stuff, in some capacity, people, when they see money in their bank account, think, you know, this is just the new life they're living. But they don't look at the fucking funnel that they're, you know, sucking from. They just see the shit that they're getting at the bottom end. So <clears throat> the funnel didn't get much wider for most people. Um, <clears throat> they don't all of a sudden have all this additional expendable cash. Maybe they have more cash than they have credit card debt now. Cool. That's neat. Cool. Um, but you can't tell me that someone going from 12 bucks to 20 bucks an hour all of a sudden is competing in the fucking fine arts market, right? <laughs> like, it's like, that's the shit that these people want you to believe. It's like, there are these crypto kitties out there fucking saving up $25,000 to go buy some bullshit bathing ape bullshit yacht club shit. Yeah, okay. I mean, go I, entertain yourself in that market. It's not I don't understand it. A, I don't believe in it. C, you know, B, I don't understand it. And C, it's just doesn't seem real. Like, none of that stuff. I also feel like the messaging <clears throat> has changed around, like, what it what it means to be a responsible consumer now versus like in years past where it's like, well, you should save up your money and like, you know, da da da. And now it's just like fucking spend and spend and you know, worry about saving. You're not going to fucking retire anyway. Like it's just like, like you're the thing you're talking about. Maybe they have more cash than credit card debt now. Like that, that might be like a first time ever thing for a lot of people who are, used to just the money coming in and going right back out again and you know like that's not 
normal for our culture anymore. That's kind of weird. No, it is. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure how to explain the the amount. So some people will come to you and say, well, it's the Fed printing money. Now, the Fed hasn't printed money. Let's be very real. The Fed has used their balance sheet to purchase American treasuries, U.S. treasuries, and American corporate debt in order to free up cash for those institutions to go spend money into a society, not through wages, through paying wages, normal wages. Did you all of a sudden, when the Fed, when the Fed had this loose corporate policy, or sorry, this 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 loose uh, loose monetary policy, did you all of a sudden like get an extra ten grand a month in your paycheck? I, I didn't. Okay, so that money didn't come to you, me, the other person. It went to paying dividends. It went to additional purchasing of of treasuries um, and corporate bonds that's what that money went to that money normally doesn't get spent on fucking groceries at heb at a tenfold you know um, price increase so what you're seeing is actually happening is some corporations have tacked on to this inflation story which is bullshit um, and they've artificially increased prices in the hopes that consumers will pay it and it's becoming, if you actually look at the sort of the, the um, kind of weekly data, it's becoming a problem for some of these products because they, they're not moving at the rates that they should be moving. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting going forward to see if where exactly inflation was real. Because inflation did happen somewhere, but you, you cannot tell me that used car lots, new car sales, all that shit, is not just taking advantage of people. Like, y y there are dealers charging a 7,000 over M MSRP markup because they don't have enough supply. Okay. Uh, just because the person can't get financing for it doesn't mean that car is worth $7,000 over MSRP at normal production levels. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, and that was one of the biggest drivers of inflation is use the new car prices. So I, I still do not for a second believe this is sustainable in the long run. Like it's, it's simply not. <laughs> People aren't making this much more money to justify seven, ten percent price increases in general goods. Like it's just not possible. No, I've been hearing that we're gonna get, we're gonna really probably start feeling inflation pretty hard. Well, we we have, like there there are certain goods that have gone up pretty yeah. significantly, but. The question that everybody has to ask themselves is are the are the ingredients that because inflation is a, I can inflate the prices of my goods tomorrow, right? And if I the, that's what the car dealers did. They decided, okay, we don't have enough cars to sell. We're gonna get an extra five grand out of every car sale because we need to pay salaries, right? Now, all of a sudden, if someone appears with fifty thousand cars, they can't do that anymore. Right. So that's what you have to ask yourself is like, 
is this real inflation? Is there a reason for this? Do we have a shortage of X, Y, and Z? Like oranges. As soon as this freeze hits Florida, orange juice next year is going to be more expensive and it will be justified. Right? It, it, there's there's a lot of the shit that doesn't have justification behind it. It's just it's just corporations taking advantage of the environment that we're in and hiking prices just to see if they can. And if they can't look at look at the profits. Look at profits on the S and P. You are regularly seeing random companies posting fifty percent profit increases after announcing that they've been hit by price increases. Would you? Uh... Oh shit! I had a question. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is your finger yeah. stop bleeding? Would you agree? Not- oh, would you agree that the uh, this continuous growth thing forever is not sustainable? Like that, a company should be expected to just constantly post profits and growth and expansion and. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big it's it's probably the biggest seems flaw right now. What? Seems to be eating our lunch right now. Well, it's been that way in every industry. Well, the auto industry has been dealing with that since the 70s. Like it's the reason we don't have unions. Um you can't have centrally negotiated labor contracts, which is your biggest you know, expense as a corporation um, when, you know, you have a union that really hampers your ability to grow. Um, So, yeah, it's, you know, it's tough to say, like, unlimited growth is certainly not, or not, the expectation of continuous growth is certainly not um, an achievable goal, but in the instance of like, if we take a micro study of like Starbucks, right? Starbucks grew from, I think it was like six stores in 1984 or 80, no, 87 to 2,500 stores in like 2007. And then they started posting less than desirable earnings growth. And the theories behind that was, you know, well, we, we don't have enough stores. We have too many stores or whatever. So they reinstated their founder, um, uh, that the, excuse me, that the, um, so they, they, they reinstated the founder and he decided that, you know, some of the most important things about Starbucks is the experience around the coffee shop and you need to reinstate personalized service. You need to get rid of like Starbucks used to have this music bar that you could go to and like create your own playlists and pay for them. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. They used to sell books and they used to sell, you know, CDs and shit. So he said, no, we need to focus on the coffee, get rid of the breakfast sandwiches, get rid of all the shit. So um, that took a couple quarters to play out, but once they repositioned, they started growing at a rapid rate again. They ended up having to close 200, 300 stores or something. So it's a double-edged sword in that case. Like that, that ultimatum will always hurt labor. Um, 
And that's really why Wall Street has not been a benefit to American employment um, at all. And people need to realize that. But it also does force businesses to innovate. And that's the other side of the coin. If you don't have that expectation in an economy, um, businesses essentially become, I don't know, like static streams of income. They become like bonds to people, right? So it's like, I have this many coffee shops, but whatever I earn, I earn. My salary never changes. Investors should just be happy they're a part of the ride. Um, so there, there's probably a balance in there. Um, the balance is probably what Germany does and that they have um, out of the corporate uh, board seats, they allocate 40% of them to labor and labor unions. Um, so that, that would be my answer to it. But it's it's a tricky situation because whenever you 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 prioritize shareholder value over the people working at a corporation, which is what capitalism does, you need checks and balances. And in America, we certainly don't have that. So for us, I'd say, yes, that's a big problem. In other countries, it's not that big of a problem because they they understand that scale. Well, but we're so freaking demonizing of any regulation whatsoever. Yeah, and but honestly, the corporations just dictate our political policy across the board. Like, yeah, and that's a different, different problem. But other people, uh, fucking regulations are horrible, and then we all go, hell no, get get undo with the regulations. Yeah, um, and it's 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 it's, it's not, but it's, it, but it's not hopeless. Like, I, th I think what you're seeing in the union movement is it, there's an undercurrent amongst lower paid labor that are they're really trying to unionize yeah and i mean i, I since I, I don't know brian i've been preaching this for well since as long as i've met you like it, when america did away with unions I understand they were demonized and unions can also go out of control. Surprise. You elect union bosses that don't have the interests of their members in mind and they collect a fat salary. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, th there's, there's a lot of problems with the unions too. And God forbid we should ever get to the point where we need to be talking about that again. Cause that'll be another fun conversation. Cause it can be just as bad as what we're talking about now. And people need to understand that. Like what we're talking about now is equally as bad, if not worse, than what unions did in the 70s and early 80s. Um, I mean, yeah. you literally had yeah. No, you literally had union bosses killing people so that they could stay in power to collect their salaries and not have to negotiate with the corporation. They would force right. people to go to work at salaries and shit. So, but we also had a huge organized crime issues still back then I understand I mean, but that's not an excuse that's like yeah. and meanwhile I mean it's, it probably right now so organized crime might as well be compared to lobbyists meanwhile the, that's fair the entire existence of unions in this country have been like the government's been trying to undermine them by you know infiltrating them and trying to sow discord well, because because unions can be a very easy place for organized voting <laughs> and and organized crime like if you if you're part of a union 
your birthday is like, legal. I mean, it's legal to discuss who you're going to vote for and plan to all. Yes, but it's also not like illegal to try to disrupt it. Yeah, I know. It's just skeevy. I mean, why? it's like the master undermining the slaves. It's like, yeah, you already have all the power. Now you have to go and anyway, I, I don't want to get into that. No, but so so if you if 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 you're pro union, which I am for sure, um, yeah. unions make sense in certain aspects. I mean, I, I would hope that at some point, software developers unionize. I would um, that, yeah, like because industry, not just at a company level, but like there is a software developer that would be good. Yeah, because the I think the biggest problem developers deal with is, and this is not every developer but there's a significant amount of developers out there who are really bad at contract negotiations who are they are they are keyboard for lack of a better word keyboard monkeys they love to code this is what they enjoy doing tell me what to do i'll do it um but there are a they, lot of people who don't even love to code but it's like they're so used to coming from a different part yeah, but you know what i'm saying like they're, they're just it's not there's a lot of programmers who don't understand the leverage that they hold, and, and like, they don't they don't want to use it because it's too much. It's outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. So it's like it's like I don't want to deal with it. Whatever they pay me, they'll pay me, and once I'm bored here, I'll go build something else somewhere else. Um, That's true because there are more jobs available than yeah. able to fill them. So it's always easy to just go fuck this place. And so go. for 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 me, that job should be unionizing, like. There should be some software developers union yeah, um, that you can join ad hoc because there's enough people out there to be like, hey, dude, you're making 70 grand doing that. You should be making 150 grand doing it. And you're making 70 because you don't have the balls to go talk to your HR people to get this raised. And because you just, you know, you're not interested in that side of the house. So um, that that's kind of that's the purpose of a union right like you you can go unionize a bunch of salespeople, but it's probably not going to serve the same purpose right like they, they are the revenue generators for a company they know exactly how they're getting paid they know exactly what deals they sign that doesn't make a lot of sense um but your average worker bee you'd be an idiot not to unionize absolute idiot you have no say in revenue you have no say in revenue sharing you are blindly negotiating salaries across multiple different in industries, across multiple different corporations. If someone comes to you and says, hey, you should join the union, X, Y, and Z, this is what we're trying to do, you know, outside of like some nefarious shit or bad leadership, you're probably better off joining that union. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think union uh, software workers union would bring transparency to like salaries in general across i don't even know what most of the people i work with make i know that for the most part women are severely underpaid as software developers compared to men even in the most well-intentioned organizations i mean the truth is like a company is going to pay you what they can get away with paying you no, and that in in the software world is completely dependent on your comfort level and your willingness to like walk away or not or confront confront the company on like I feel undervalued, underpaid. I'm gonna leave if you don't do something about it. 
or you know i got needs in my life that need to be met and those are just a lot of things that no one trains you in school to do really no one goes yeah like fucking stake your claim and you know get what's yours i do wish that i had had contract negotiations class in college or like at least some some form of know your fucking worth and know your value class know what to look out for like red flags of bad employers or so they have no they have no interest in giving you reasons to stay out of the workforce though it's all about lowering the barrier to entry so I'll, i'll say the 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 greatest book i ever read in economics was john maynard keynes and um it's called the theory of money um interest rates and taxation i believe i'll, I'll look it up in just oh, a second oh god but, that that subtitle really just got me going um, fucking christ <laughs> the white paper <laughs> no no it's a whole book um oh hell yeah uh, it's a whole book on monetary hey, keep policy. it down villain keep it down we're still a family <laughs> podcast put it away hold on one second uh uh come on now Uh, yeah the sorry the general theory of employment interest and money okay and slow no i've read that book three or four times it is if if you want to understand the current imbalance in macroeconomics in terms of how labor is being treated how capital is being treated and how the interest rate is being used to satisfy both parties Go read that book, and and it's not it's not a fun read. It will take you several. It'll take a long time. Grueling. It it's not grueling. <sighs> it's not grueling, but it is it is a read that like you might want to read three or four pages at a time and digest what he's saying because he's got he's going to be relating right what he calls money is just capital. It's any type of investable income, right? And then labor is any individual who can produce in a given amount of time, right? And then the interest rate is the overall Fed interest rate. And his his entire theory is that if you only use the interest rate to incentivize capital, they will take advantage of labor. Um, and you need to provide power to labor to get fair, you know, wages, fair, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, to to me it's the only economic in the economy that's the other thing like you would think that they would want these things because they would want their workers engaged in the economy keep the money flowing better for business then you actually could end up with like a high growth sort of but that's his argument that's his entire argument so villain you specifically need to read the book like it's i think it's the greatest economic text ever written i've read well I've read from Keynes to Marx to um, Smith to like, I've read all of them. Um, at least their baseline theories that everybody subscribes to. Um, yeah. So these, called? these guys, let me just quickly, before you kind of try to guess, these guys write plenty of books. Um, there are only a couple of them that matter in terms of their overall theory for Keynes. The only one that matters is the general theory of employment, interest, and money. It's the one that just got rewritten by that dude from France that doesn't really do it justice, but um, he tried to extend it into some sort of socialist uh, neoliberal 
um, point of view, which it was never meant to be. Um, and then there's the general theory of employment, which is totally worth reading when you're talking about labor movements. So um, those Wait, are the two he wrote. General, on. You said general theory of employment twice. Yeah. So there's one that's just called the general theory of employment, interest, and money. Oh, I see. And then he wrote he wrote a a short call it a short story. It's like 50 pages called the general theory of employment. Um, and he's summarizing kind of his, his actual thoughts two years, two years later on the employment component of that original. Oh, book. I see. Okay, that's um, story. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. 1937. Cool. That'd be yeah. interesting. So that, that book is, is incredibly important. And then Adam Smith is the other one that everybody is like fucking deep throating nowadays. Um, He's good. Uh, he doesn't have uh, – he has a very kind of um, capitalistic view upon all this stuff. So he, he's a much more frustrating read because he draws mm. um, he draws conclusions between things that we have proven wrong. Um, but he wrote the book The Wealth of Nations, which I've read a couple yeah. times. Um, worth reading because you'll understand where essentially conservatism comes from in terms of – um, trickle down economics. It comes straight from that book. Um, so the wealth of nations is, is a good book, but it, it is much older. Um, and that, that's the reason it's frustrating, right? Like you, 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 you go read a book and it's published in the 1700s and you understand the society has thought a lot about this shit and someone published something in the thirties and it's being questioned as like, is this even real? We didn't practice uh, Keynesian economics until Obama. No one bothered. Everybody was just like, huh, why would you do that? Um, because everybody accepted the fact that if you lowered interest rate, gave capital, uh, capital the ability to invest, jobs would be created. That was always the acceptable kind of approach to economics. And it's no longer. It's no longer the way it works. We would have full employment across the globe based on today's interest rates, and we don't. If it doesn't happen today, when is it going to happen? Um, you would have full wage growth. If it doesn't happen today, when is it going to happen? So what, what, what Keynes takes is, you know, monetary policy, uh, the evolution of, of, not the evolution, the velocity of money and how it flows through a system and where if you give a tax cut to a poor person, it's going to go right into the first segment of you know, cash to be spent at a store to then be paid out in wages, to then be spent again, to then be paid out in some additional wages, right? Versus giving cash to George Bush or fucking Who's Bill Gates. Get and money, but he's really just good at hoarding money or whoever. It's just going into their, their investment accounts. And it might go into a static portfolio of real estate, which is what we're experiencing. So it'll probably go into an offshore eventually that just doesn't get taxed. Exactly. Completely exactly. system and even... Jeff himself doesn't under really know if it's there or not. Yeah. And so what is, annoys me honestly the most is like we don't count that as lost value. Like no. some guy who just has a number in an account and he's we just not, accept it. He's completely fuzzy on what how much there even is. So so if if uh any of this is interesting to you, this is my long way of saying we all want to be better at negotiating contracts, but we all need to understand this whole system better. Like I think people are playing a role in in a much larger game 
then they're willing to accept. And I understand it can be overwhelming, but we should teach economics like we do American history. Um, The economic theories are so quintessentially important to how big decisions are made at a political level that, quite frankly, history has very little impact on it. Um, People will keep doing the same thing just based on the fact that the theory is simple. It's simple. It's like, oh, yeah, we give these rich people more money. They hire more people. We're good. But it's never (laughs) like that we never present the counterpoint. We never go, oh, but John Maynard Keynes said this is not actually how it would ever work. Because if you don't start, if you want job creation, you need demand. You can't just go and create supply. No one has the ability to go afford more Model Ts if you don't pay people to build them. And that's that's the whole theory. So that's the difference. You can you should go read Karl Marx as well. Literally any of his books. The dude didn't stop writing. Um, but Karl Marx, by the way, was not a super controversial figure, and I'm pretty sure from what I've read, like he wasn't a Marxist. He or wouldn't have been a Marxist. Like he had his own political theories, and then Marxism was applied in his name. But yeah. So, so he, he his theories have been very much uh, misconstrued. Uh, I, I I would put I would put Marx to the left of Keynes, but not that far. Um, in modern day economics, right, where you're talking about like super capitalists versus kind of like liberal socialists. He was definitely more on the socialist end of the equation. Yeah. Um, I would call uh, Keynes like a social capitalist, which is what I subscribe to. Like I'm a person who believes that, um, you know, people should be incentivized to work. People should be incentivized to start businesses and make money with those businesses, but we don't need billionaires. Um, and that's kind of what social capitalism, if you go read the books, you understand the differences here. Uh, John Maynard Keynes is seen as like a liberal capitalist, but it's he's really honestly, he's talking about labor versus capital and, you know, the balance between. So I, I honestly, I don't know if the term even exists. I, To me, social capitalism is a thing. Like, I think there is definitely a socially responsible level of capitalism. So that's kind of what I call it. But um yeah you should just go read it just go read all these theories like stop having people explain yeah you know how these things work everybody can learn how the fed works and this is stuff that impacts you much more than you know your local road project um and you should all go learn about it because it's it's and it's not it's not some youtube video that's going to go because i'll guarantee you're going to find more like some good you can get some good knowledge off of YouTube, but you, it is filtered through somebody else's bias. So like, and, and and you have to be able to go, oh, that's him coming out right there, versus like, you know. But yeah. when it com- when it comes to structured monetary policy, economic policy, you can't choose a side because every side is applicable at some point. That is that is the only thing that I want to like relay to everybody. There's no right answer here. If if Marx was running away with this economy, right, and his theories, we would all need to subscribe to what Adam Smith and the Wealth of Nations said because we'd be dealing with a whole shit ton of other stuff, yeah. right? And if Keynes just ran down the tracks, right, 
then we'd probably have to choose. Okay, are we too too capitalistic? Are we too socialistic? Right? Like that's the beauty of economics. Everybody wants it to be this like fucking one plus one is two. And one plus one is two up until a point. And at some point, you need to bring it back from one plus one is three or one plus one is still just one to the actual middle. And right now in this country, labor is losing. So it's time we fight for labor. Um, and I've said that many times until one plus one is two again. Then we can discuss if labor is winning too much, then we run the other way. Um, but that's that's really economics is not a perfect science, and I don't know why people want it to be. It, it will never be. You're you're dealing with one thing that you're changing, or two things that have a thousand ripple effects in a fucking ocean. Like you 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 will never be able to predict everything that happens. You could just best guess it. Yeah. Let's wrap it there, Brian. That's good talk. That sounds. Like a plan, y'all. I'm gonna pull this way too right. fucking loud. You look like job major games. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, y'all. Uh, my hair is really long and I need to anyway. Uh, yeah, I need a haircut too. Uh, I just have what do we call a widow's peak here. Yeah. I've got crazy person here at the moment. Um Thank you all for joining us on this episode and every episode of Nobody Left Behind. Be sure to go over, uh, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Um, check us out over on social media at Nobody Left Cast or over on the old Gmail and uh, hit us at Nobody Left Behind Cast at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what we should be drinking. And uh, until next time, for Brian here in North Texas, I am out. Thank you all for listening to your favorite anti-cap podcast. This is uh, Willem signing off in Tulsa. Uh, and don't cut your fingers. Yeah, definitely don't. Cut your hair. Um, oh, God, I had a comeback. I forgot it. Uh, oh, it's Gmail, not Gmail. Um, I'm out. Beep.